Hey, welcome back to another episode of Eco Power, a podcast all about Jack and Daxter, the lore and the mechanics of the series. Um, on the last episode, we talked about like Sandover Village and um, Forbidden Jungle and Sentinel Beach, Misty Island, and all those areas. So I wanted to move on to the areas that were more centered around um, Rock Village and the Blue Sage Hut and the areas you know surrounding it but bef- before we get to rock village or the blue sage hut we got to mention fire canyon um but um i almost forgot before we get the podcast started i do always like to do like a little um trivia question so the trivia question for today is what is the name of the hip hog um the pet of Boggy and Boggy Swamp. What is the name of his pet hip hog? So that is the uh, trivia question for today. Let's see if you can uh, get the question right. Uh, I'll give the answer at the end of the podcast, so stick around to the end to hear the answer. Um, try to see if you can remember it or figure it out without Googling it. Uh, but, you know, like I said, I will give you the answer at the end of the podcast. So, but now that that's out of the way, um, yeah, like I said, let's talk about Fire Canyon. So in Fire Canyon, there are uh, 50 precursor orbs to collect, and there are two power cells. So yeah, so far this is the area with the least amount of things to collect. Because if you recall, in even in Geyser Rock, yes, there were 50 precursor orbs, the same amount, but there are actually four power cells to collect. And there's also uh, seven scout flies, which there's also seven scout flies on the... Uh, fire canyon but that's actually one of the precursor or the power cells i mean not precursor orbs sometimes my brain uh flips those around so yeah uh one of the uh power cells are like i said achieved through getting uh seven of the scout flies and then the other one basically all you got to do is just reach the other end of fire canyon um so basically fire canyon gets really hot the reason why you needed 20 power cells in order to uh, fuel the heat shield is because of the fact that it gets so hot. Um, this is actually probably one of the hardest, in my opinion. I mean, I guess everybody depends on your style of gameplay and stuff like that. But in my opinion, this is actually probably one of the hardest parts of the game. Not the hardest part, but one of them. And just in my opinion, like I said, because of the fact that the heat shield just gets hot so quickly in this area. And there are zero checkpoints in this area. So, like, if you die, you go all the way back to the, the start of Fire Canyon. you got to start all over again. And later on, there's going to be another area that's similar to Fire Canyon, but it's much longer. But in my opinion, it's actually easier because, there, for one, there are checkpoints, and your heat shield is much more powerful at that point because you have more power cells to fuel the heat shield. And um, there are actually some areas where you're kind of off the lava floor and you're kind of propelled up, uh, you know, much higher. So it's a little bit cooler versus this one. You're literally just driving right over the lava. So it's much easier to heat up. And like I said, there's no checkpoints. Uh, I would consider it probably one of the hardest parts of the game. It took me a little while to get past this part the first time I played when I was a young teenager. I played this part multiple times before I finally beat it. it I was like, geez, Louise, man, that took forever. And uh, But yeah, so 50 precursor orbs, two power cells. You get to the other side, 
and that's when you go uh this is also the i almost forgot to mention this is also the part where they first introduced the precursor warp panel um it's basically that little panel on the floor and it warps um the uh, agrav zoomer from other parts that are have the uh, warp panel there I'm not sure why you can't just warp people on there. Maybe it only works with machines. I'm not sure. But it seems like they were able to use uh, warp the f the flut flut later on in the game uh, to Boggy Swamp. So I'm not sure why they couldn't have just warped Jack and Daxter to the other side. <laughs> kind of always makes me wonder. I'm, I'm just like, why couldn't they just warp him over there instead of warping the zoomer? <laughs> You know, maybe they have to um, have access to the other warp panel somehow. I don't know. Who knows? I guess it's just like that because that's the way the game is, right? I'm looking way too into it. So anyways, once you get to, um, you know, the Blue Sage Hut, then you activate the um, the gate to the other side. That way Samos and Kira can also warp to the uh, Blue Sage Hut right south, located right outside of Rock Village. So in Rock Village, there are pre 50 precursor orbs. There are six power cells. Um, this is also uh, a little fun fact. This is also the first place I actually talked to the the little oracle thing. And um, the reason why that is is because when I was when I played this game one of the first few times when I was a kid slash young teenager, I uh, actually didn't know about how to get to the other oracle that was located just right on the edge there of Sandover Village, which is located over by the farmer's house. I saw it over there, but I had no idea how to get to it. I kept, I tried to jump multiple times on those cliffs that get you to it, and I just couldn't jump far enough. And I didn't realize you had to, like, roll jump because I didn't know how to do that when I was younger. But, yeah, kind of funny that I didn't actually talk to the oracle until I got to Rock Village. So, uh, interesting fact, though, uh, the the Oracle, the voice for the Oracle was actually voiced by uh, one of the developers at Naughty Dog. Uh, I guess, I don't know if they just felt like they really liked the way he did his voice, or if they just thought it would, maybe it would save some money, or what. But yeah, um, I learned in a, um, I think it was years later in an interview that one of them actually said that, yeah, it was one of the developers. I don't know if it was one of the uh, programmers or one of the art, the uh, someone in the art department or what. But, yeah, one of the developers was actually the uh, voice for the Oracle. As you may uh, wonder around through the Blue Sage, you might notice a difference in tone and... Um, color atmosphere i guess would be the best way to put it as opposed to the green sage hut area like in uh, sandover village and all that good stuff in sandover village you might notice a slight kind of uh, green aura around everything i mean it's kind of hard to tell because of the fact that it's it's so sunny but there at night um, if you look around it kind of has a slight green feel and it could be because of the fact that there's so many plants everywhere but at the blue sage hut uh, area like in Rock Village and things like that, there's kind of a slight blue aura uh, around everything, kind of giving you a different feel and atmosphere um, of everything. Now, a lot of people might be asking if this is called Rock Village and it's supposed to be a village, then where's the village?
I know I wondered that the first uh, few times I played the game. I was just like, you know, if this is, I'm like, where's the village at? And I'm like, I'm like, I see some of the villagers, I guess is who they're supposed to be. Because it's like you got the geologist and then the gambler and the uh, warrior, you know, that he's crying a lot because he failed against the, uh, against Claw, the uh, lurker. And uh, so you see some of these people, but it's like, okay, well, where's the village? And I'm like, did just, I always just maybe thought that maybe Naughty Dog just didn't put the village in there. Uh, maybe it was just one of those places you were, it was, and I often wondered that. I was just like, well, maybe Naughty, uh, Naughty Dog just didn't put the village in there. Maybe it's just supposed to be understood that there is one. But nope, there actually is a village. It's located uh, in the little, um, kind of like a, an arena type area. Um, it looks like, it, that's what it looks like anyway, but right above it, um, there is these little houses up there. Now, it's not interactive. You can't interact with it like you can in Sandover Village. In Sandover Village, you know, you can walk in inside of the houses and there's actually people that, you know, it actually looks like people are living there and everything like that. But in this place, it's kind of like, well, you see the village, but you just can't interact with it. So, yeah, it's actually up lo- located up high uh, above on the little cliffs there kind of like uh, just right above now it does look like below it there is a um, kind of like a dinner area it looks like and then the center area that I kind of refer to as the arena I I guess it like there's a little campfire in the middle I guess you call it a campfire Um, kind of makes me uh, think of a place maybe where there was some sort of entertainment was maybe people told stories Maybe, you know, because, I mean, I think it it seems to insinuate that this world doesn't really have electricity, you know, like there's no televisions or anything like that, or radios or anything like that. It's not like a modern day society like, you know, Jack 2 has, you know, in Jack 2 there's like a lot, it looks more modern, more urban, I guess you could say, Uh, but in the first Jack and Daxter game, everything is much more um, royal, much more... um, you know, like more old Western type time settings, I guess you could say. Um, and this makes me think of like something that a village that may have existed like in the 17, 1800s. Sometimes you hear stories about, uh, you know, like a small village. They all kind of live together as a family and then they all eat dinner together. And then they, um, you know, maybe that at night they get together and tell stories about stuff to entertain themselves after dinner. And then before, you know, it's time for them to kind of get ready to go to bed. And, um, you know, during the day they all just do their work. Like maybe this villi- this house in the village does this, this house in the village does that, you know, um, you know, yada, yada, yada. And this village, Rock Village, kind of reminds me of something like that uh, with the setting that we are presented with. Like I said, you see the village up high, and then right below it, it seems like there's a type of an air area where maybe they would have done some sort of entertainment for each other. Like I said, maybe told stories or whatever like that. And then there seems to be a dinner area where it appears like they all ate together. Um, it didn't seem like there was anything like that with Sandover Village. It all seemed like they were all together as a village, but they all kind of lived their own lives, too. Like, they all just, I mean, I suppose they could have eaten together, I don't know. But there wasn't really any presentation that led the gamer or the player to believe that, um, as opposed that there was in Rock Village. Now, Rock Village is actually my favorite place in the entire game. I have no idea, really, I've never been able to quite put my finger on why that is. But pretty much ever since I played the game from the very first time, when I first arrived in Rock Village, I knew right away that... 
I was in a place that I really, really liked. And over time, I just realized that it's my favorite area. Um, I just love walking around and just looking at uh, Rock Village and exploring it. It's not quite as, uh, it's not a huge place to explore, but it is a lot of fun to explore. Like I said, just look around. I remember looking around at all the, like, the decorations and stuff, like I said, at the dinner area. And, uh, you know, seeing all the different things in around. And uh, I remember uh, there's a little um, spot where there's uh, these latches that open up if you uh, are... Um, I cannot seem to speak today. <laughs> but uh, these little latches that open up if you have Blue Eco. And uh, it's really hard to do. But, yeah, if you collect these little blue eco three little blue eco balls and you roll like jump your way really fast to the spot you can open this little latch of uh precursor orbs that are located right behind like where the geologist stands there and um it's like i said it's not easy to do but uh yeah so but it can be accomplished i have done it before and uh but it's not easy to do but i just like i said i love rock village i love to explore it it's a lot of fun uh i can understand why maybe not everybody else likes this place uh but i love it one thing i forgot to mention in the last episode is kind of like some people might always wonder what's the point of the sage that lives over some of these villages like in sandover village you know you have the green sage um in his hut of course being samos and then in uh, Rock Village, you have just right right next to Rock Village, you have uh, the Blue Sage um, that lives in his hut. And then, um, of course, of course, there's also the volcanic uh, crater area where you have the Red Sage, which there doesn't appear to be a village anywhere nearby in that area. Not that the game shows anyway. But in some of these areas, like I said, in the first two, like I said, with Sandover Village and Rock Village, you got these sages. And... Um, even the warrior refers to the blue sages, our sage, you know, the mechanical genius, master of blue eco. He uses this phrase referring to him as their sage, like that's their sage. And so some people wonder, well, what purpose do, does the sage serve in this village? You know, in Sandover Village, it's like, is he supposed to be like a leader or a mayor or what? what is their purpose, you know? Because uh, it's like in Sandover Village, they uh, seem to indicate that the mayor is supposed to be the one in charge of the village, like he's the leader of the village, but yet they have Samos, which is also supposed to be a leader of some sort, and it's just like, so you're wondering, like, which one's the leader, what's going on here, what is, like I said, what's the purpose and the role of the sage? Well, I think, um, I mean, I don't know for sure, but I have a couple of theories on why the sage, you know, oversees these villages, or at least some of them do. I think it could be like if you think of um, if you've ever read like a really old story or maybe in the Bible, if you've ever um, heard, you know, like uh, a mention of like you always have like a wise man or an overseer, like you'll have a king, an emperor or a leader of some sort. But sometimes they have a wise uh, advisor or counselor, um, you know, to um, you know, to refer to for advice or maybe and sometimes these advisors or wise people also have special abilities not necessarily supernatural abilities um but like special abilities i guess you could say beyond like what the normal uh human might have you can almost use the uh, movie aladdin as an example how and uh the sultan he had jafar was kind of like his advisor and of course in the movie his 
uh, Jafar kind of betrayed him and winded up trying to take over his throne. But, you know, that's what Jafar's job was. It was his advisor. He was supposed to be like a wise person to give him, give him advice about situations if he didn't know what to do himself. And um, a lot of leaders would have this back in the day. And I think that's what some of these uh, sages, part of their position could have been for some of these villages. Like I said, they could have taken on a role of like maybe advisor, not necessarily a leader, but an advisor of some sort. Uh, I'd mentioned earlier, like in the Bible, another example would be like in the, um, a lot of kings back in um, the day when the Israelites had their uh, kingdom, they'd have a king and then um, a lot of them would have um, like a prophet was sort of like their wise uh, man or counselor, someone for the king to refer to. He w- might ask the prophet to uh, pray to God for him and ask for advice on what he should do for this situation. So kind of an example in this way, maybe for Samos, since he could, he has the ability to apparently communicate with plants. And uh, the plants apparently have the ability to communicate with rocks. Uh, you know, maybe like something like an example of that like might happen if the mayor maybe needed advice on something. He might consult um, Samos on it. Same thing with Rock Village if their leader, whoever that would be, might need to consult, uh, you know, bl- the Blue Sage for it. So kind of like with Sandover Village, the... Um the first place, once you break out of Sandover Village, the first place the game really kind of nudges you to go is really to Sentinel Beach. Obviously, you can go any way you want and do it in any order you want, but that's just the way the game kind of nudges you to go. Well, the same thing with Rock Village. It seems to really want you to go to the Precursor Basin first. Obviously, like I said, you can go anywhere you want, but the Precursor Basin seems to be the first place you know, it kind of wants you to go. So at Precursor Basin, there are 200 orbs, uh, you know, Precursor orbs, and then there's eight power cells. Um, and the interesting thing about, um, I don't I said that kind of funny. The interesting uh, thing, you know, the interesting thing about Precursor Basin is this is the first level where it's completely played, um, if, unless you count, um, you know, the Fire Canyon, uh, where it's completely played on your Agrav Zoomer. And I really like this level. It's such a contrast to a lot of the parts of the game. Because up until that, they could have easily, Naughty Dog could have easily just used the A-Grab Zoomer as just like every time, you know, just kind of be in your transport to the next uh, area. You know, they could have easily just stuck with that. Like, okay, okay, this is going to be for Fire Canyon. And then you're going to use it for Mountain Pass. And then you're going to use it at the end for Lava Tube. And then that's going to be it. You know, they could have easily just done that. And it would have been fine. It would have worked perfectly fine that way. But it would have made the Agrav Zoomer, I think, just feel like more of a um, kind of a side tool. Uh, you know, and it didn't really feel like it was in great i'm not really phrasing this well but it would make it feel like it's not really part of the main story it's just like it's a side tool just to get you from one point to the other kind of an a to b type mechanic tool but they did a really good i like the fact that they included this place now i've heard some people say they actually don't like this area but which surprises me like i said i i really enjoy it but it's uh i like the fact like i said it's such a contrast to every uh, other area in the game like i said you just cruise or it's so much fun to just ride around and cruise around i do kind of wish it would give you the option though to hop on and off your agrav zoomer but other than that i i have no problem with this area and i think it's a lot of fun to like i said just cruise around 
um, and collect, you know, collect power cells, collect precursor orbs. You also, some of the missions you got to do, like, to trace you back to Rock Village and stuff like that. And it's just, like I said, it's so much fun. Some interesting parts about this game is I've noticed uh, when looking at pictures of this area is I was wondering, I'm like, why is it called Precursor Basin? Well, a basin is kind of like a, um, you can almost think of it as a bowl or a dip, I guess you could say, where often usually has water in it and or some type of liquid rather um so it kind of makes me wonder if the basin precursor basin used to be c completely covered in water and that uh, if you notice in the precursor basin there's uh, some high areas and there's some low areas because there's like the ground area and then there's some high areas that that are cliffs that seem like would have made good bridges of transports to just kind of walk around and walk through and um you know just like basically like a trail of some sort that you ride up on high and you can collect some of the precursor orbs and power cells are also located up there it's also some of the areas when you go through those little precursor rings and um i looked at some more pictures of this uh like i said of this basin and it looks like there's another uh temple there another precursor temple that also was located uh, similar to the one it looks a lot like the one that's located in the forbidden jungle so it makes me wonder if this was another base of some sort or a home of some sort for the precursors that they lived in and that this place used to be almost completely immersed in water except for the high areas and they just traveled around like that and like I said and that might explain why the temple is so high up uh, levitated so high because of the fact that it was covered in water and so it makes me wonder if this area was covered in water was uh, Rock Village also covered in water? I guess it's possible. Maybe that explains why the village is so up so high. Hmm, kind of an interesting theory. Like I said, I don't know. It's just uh, just me theorizing. But uh, yeah, so I just thought that was really interesting. Um, but yeah, so the next place, it, uh, this this is kind of where the game kind of goes a little crossroads on what area you could go to. You could either go to Boggy Swamp, because all you got to do is go talk, get 90 precursor orbs and then go talk to the warrior and he'll line up the uh, little bridge there for you and then you can just walk right over to uh, boggy swamp um so the game seems to point you in either direction you could either go to boggy swamp or lost precursor city it doesn't seem to really prefer you to pick one over the other really um so you could do one or the other i tend to do lost precursor city um which is the name of the place where you go kind of underwater now, I know I mentioned that Rock Village is my favorite place in the game, but when I say favorite area or favorite place, I mean like, I meant like favorite hub world, because there's like, you know, each place has like a hub world, and then it has like level-y type areas that it branches off to. So, Rock Village is like my favorite hub world, but Lost Precursor City is like my favorite level area, I guess you could call it. Um, so this part might take a little while because I'm going to really break everything down because, I, like I said, I really love this, this area. Uh, it's definitely my favorite area in the game. I love the look. First of all, I love the look of it. I love, like I said, how much blue and light. Um, it's like it's dark, but there's also so much lighting all around, all these glow lights and stuff, and it's so cool. I also love the way it feels like, like you're working your way further and further down a tunnel. 
And um, I find it kind of funny that it's called Lost Precursor City because it's like it feels like a place you could just completely get yourself lost in if I if you were to actually literally explore that place like in real life. It feels like a like almost like an underwater cave, if you will, mechanical type cave. Um, that, like I said, you just work your way down. So in this place, there are two hundred precursor orbs. There are eight power cells. It's uh, a pretty challenging area but it's also extremely fun in my opinion like i said um i've heard a little mix of opinions on this place i've heard some people say they love this area and i've heard some people say they don't really care for this area and i've heard some people say it's just okay um so it seems to be kind of a little bit of a mix i'd love to sometime maybe do a poll on this uh topic and maybe see what people in general a lot of jack and daxter fans in general think about this area uh, I also really love the design of how this uh, area really works. It's uh, And it gets really interesting when you get kind of to the middle point, and I'll explain that here in a little bit. But I mentioned, like I said, there are eight uh, power cells in this area. So the first power cell you got to do is you got to follow the colored pipes. So you follow these colored pipes and you work your way like on these uh, platforms and you'll eventually get to a uh, power cell there. Um, the uh, second power cell you got to get is you got to just reach the center of the complex, uh, which is your, I believe, is your second uh, huge area. Because there's like multiple areas you work your way through. There's a, um, the first room, which is kind of a small room, and then there's a, another small room that leads you there, and then you'll get to your third area or second area, and it's a huge room. Uh, your third uh, precursor um, or power cell. <laughs> Sorry, my mind kind of went blank for a second there. Your third power cell, geez louise. Uh, you just got to match the platform colors. Um, I think a lot of people are familiar with this game. It's pretty easy to do, really, uh, once you learn the tricks to it. Uh, you just got to, like I said, light them all up to to get to, um, you know, the door there. And as soon as you do, it will um, you'll be able to access the power cell. The fourth one, you've got to cross the pool because there's this pool that uh, will electrocute you if you, when it turns green. So anytime it's blue, you need to get out of the uh, pool there. And there's also these little swirls that swirl you around. Sometimes they swirl you forward, and sometimes they'll swirl you uh, backwards and kind of, um, you know, keep you from trying to get to the other side. And then the fifth one is kind of interesting. This is what I was talking about, kind of like the middle point of the area. Uh, you got to raise the chamber. So when you raise the chamber, um, basically what you got to do is you got to turn on and access all these uh, blue, like kind of ball things that spin around. When you touch it with blue while harnessing blue eco, uh, they start to kind of grab the electricity of the blue eco and they start to bounce around. But you got to be able to do it all in one charge. So you need one charge, a full charge of blue eco, and then you got to charge all of these little blue balls up. And then if you do that, the door will open up, uh, but there's not a power cell in the door. you got to go inside the door, and then you push the button, and it raises the chamber all the way up to the surface of the water. And on top of it, there's a power cell. So you get out of the chamber, and then you got to walk up the cliff and then grab the power cell. This is very interesting because this is actually only like kind of like the midpoint of the area, um, and you, it feels like it should be kind of the end. 
because of the fact that you're raising yourself back out of the place. But the reason why it's kind of uh, very creative, uh, very creatively designed on Naughty Dog's part because of the fact that it kind of gives you an option here uh, that gives the player the option to where they could stop at this point. This could be a great stopping point. Or if you want to travel down further inside the Lost Precursor City, you can. There's still more to explore. So you can go back, you can go inside the chamber and work your way back down. Or you could take the long way, and if there's still some uh, power cells or precursor orbs you missed at the beginning part of the level, you can go back through the beginning part of the area. And um, Or, like I said, if you got all those or you don't care about collecting those, you can take the chamber back down and go back to the midpoint of the level and reach all the way to the bottom. So the sixth power cell, once you reach all the way to the bottom, and then the seventh power cell, you gotta climb the side tube. There's like this, um, it's kinda hard to explain without seeing it, but yeah, there's like this tube thing. If you climb it, then you'll get a power cell. Um, and then of course the eighth one uh, would be the seven scout flies once you collect all the seven scout flies in this area. This is also the only area where uh, the scout flies are collected in a very unique way. Some of them are. Now some of them are still in the red boxes, but um, some of them are actually collected through these um, channel things like where they're warped. They're kind of sucked through like this vacuum. When you push the button, it'll suck it through a vacuum and then you have so much time to run to the other side and collect the uh, the scout fly. And some, of, some power cells are also achieved this way too. Um, but you collect the scout fly through some of them this way. And this is the only area in the game that scout flies are actually collected this way. Every other part of the game, they're always collected through red boxes. I almost kind of wish that Naughty Dog would have done this with some other places as well. I, I really like the fact that they did that. I understand they kind of wanted to keep the themes very... Uh, similar to maybe not confuse the player too much but once you get so much further in the game i think it's okay to um you know to play around with some themes a little bit and like i said this is the only place where they really do that with some of the items like i said with the scout flies and um i really liked it i like the fact that there's a little bit of contrast there so all the seven scout flies are collected um the first one is collected in the first room uh with the lurker with the backpack uh, there's a double lurker and he kind of wears the smaller lurker on top of him, sort of like a backpack. And um, so the first scout fly is in that room. There's kind of a false uh, f floor there. I don't, it's raining outside. I don't know if you can hear the rain, but if you hear that background noise, it's because it's raining outside while I'm trying to record this podcast. But So just letting you know. But yeah, there's a little false uh, drop there, and there's a uh, scout fly down there. The second one is located in the first room with the ro uh, rotating uh, disc. When you jump on one, one of them rotates around that disc until you jump on the second one, which relocates the next one. And the third one is located in the second room, the big room. Um, if you follow the green pipe with the uh, rotator disc, then you'll get to... Uh, that's the pipe I was talking about, like I said, where it's... Uh, instead of being in a red box they you know you push it and it sucks it up the pipe kind of like a vacuum and you follow the, use the rotator disc to get to the uh, scout fly the fourth one is loca also located in the big room you got to follow the blue pipe which is also like i said works kind of like a vacuum uh, the fifth one is on the opposite side of the button uh, for the colorful pipes 
I'm not sure what part that is, so I'm trying to think. Oh, I think I know where that is. I think it's up on that small little ledge inside the big room. Like I said, it'd be a little easier to explain it if I actually saw a picture of it right in front of me. But um, I think there's like a little ledge on the opposite side of the other ro- uh, the other side of the room. And if you jump up there, I think there's a uh, little red box uh, with a scout fly in it up there. The sixth one is next to the power cell at the end of the red pipe. And then the seventh one is two uh, geysers all the way up. The precursors start moving. Uh, I'm sorry. Two geysers. What part is this? I'm not sure what. Uh, I wrote it down in my notes, but I'm not sure where that's located. I'm trying to think. I think the uh, seventh one is located after that part in the pool uh, that I talked about earlier where you rotate around. I think on the other side there, there should be a uh, a scout fly located on the other side of that, if, if my memory serves me correctly there. So this area is uh, kind of interesting. Some of the lore of this area could be uh, explored to... Um, I always wondered, why is it called the Lost Precursor City? So if it's a precursor city, evidently the precursors lived in it. So why were the precursors living underground? Well, I have a theory behind that, but I can't uh, obviously quite prove this. But... Um, once upon a time, uh, I sound like I'm reading a story. Once upon a time, there was uh, three bears and Goldilocks. No, okay. <laughs> uh, no, I think at one point in time, uh, the in Jack 2 and 3, they explain this a little bit more deeply. I'll try to b- briefly go over this, and I'll explain it more in details in a later podcast, like I said, when we get to Jack 2 and 3. But um, I'll briefly go over it. But uh, the precursors, um, some of the precursors turned, uh, you know, dabbled in dark eco, and they turned into the dark makers and um well the precursors the good precursors uh, to in order to protect themselves they actually created these uh, creatures called the horaquan uh, in order and it, they were actually created to protect them well then the horaquan uh turned on them and actually became their enemies so it could have either been the dart makers or the horaquan that actually turned on the precursors and uh, so at some point i think the precursors probably became smaller in numbers uh maybe due to being killed off or maybe because just so many of them became dart makers uh one or the other so some of the precursors probably started working their way underground in order to um that way they could still have a base um you know, in order to uh, communicate with other precursors, maybe across other temples across the world, but yet they kind of, uh, as a way to protect themselves, and if you've ever played Jack 3, you know that they eventually worked their way to the Earth's core or the the defense areas, I think is what they refer to it, um, where they have they built that big gun as like their defense, um, you know, ray or whatever they call it. Uh, but I think apparently at one point they actually worked their way underwater as a form of maybe possibly a form of protection. Or maybe they just like to live underwater. I mean, who knows? Um, and it also might explain why there was that um, the uh, the chamber that um, raised and detract, you know, back and forth. If you hit that button, it raises the chamber. And then if you hit it again, it'll take you back underwater in the middle of the thing. So, um, you know, it might explain, you know, maybe there was a reason why maybe they were uh, coming and going from that city. So it was referred to eventually at one point as the Lost Precursor City. So the third and final place of this area connected to Rock Village is the Boggy Swamp. 
So the Boggy Swamp is obviously a swamp that belongs to Boggy. Um, he is um, the swamp keeper, I guess you could call him, uh, that lives in this area. So in Boggy Swamp, uh, there are 200 orbs. There are eight uh, power cells to collect. Uh, this area is kind of interesting because this is the first area where you start to see pieces of the precursor robot and um, that the lurkers are trying to collect. And they use these um, kind of these balloons that they're trying to pull these um, pieces of the precursor robot out of the uh, kind of out of the of the gunk or the slump slums a little bit and um so part of one of your missions uh and you get a power cell for each one that you break uh, if you break these rocks and uh keep them from trying to pull this out you know and try to basically uh disrupt their mission essentially um you get a power cell for each one that you break um this is also the first area that you get to ride the flut flut and um, I really like that part. This is probably my favorite part of Boggy Swamp. I will admit, uh, Boggy Swamp is not my favorite area to explore. It's uh, it's there's uh, there's like two parts of this game that I don't really care for at all, and I'll get to the other one later. But this is one of them. I'm not a big fan of Boggy Swamp. It's just a little easy to get lost in because there's so many areas that remind me of other areas, and there's parts that kind of loop around. There's this one part of Boggy Swamp where if you're not careful, you can actually keep going in circles. And I've done that so many times, even though as many times as I played that game, I still find myself sometimes I'll accidentally go in a circle and I'm like, what the heck am I doing? And uh, Because that's, like I said, there's a couple areas that look kind of similar to one another. I felt like this area wasn't as designed quite as well as some of the areas. I kind of wish Naughty Dog would have designed this area just a, maybe a smidget better and I probably would have liked it more. Also, I'm not a big fan of the fact that there's just so much, I guess, I don't know, is that supposed to be dark ego or is that just supposed to be gunk that you sink down into i'm not sure exactly what it's supposed to be but i'm not a big fan of all that just laying everywhere and uh yeah so but there is uh, one mission that i absolutely cannot stand in this area probably another reason why i don't like this area too much and that is the part where you have to rescue the boggy's hip hip hog that has ran off and you basically he lays out these snacks for him to try to get him to come back uh, but then the uh, little rat things keep eating them. And um, so basically your job is to shoot at these rats. So basically it's a, like a shooting, uh, a rail shooter mission, which I'm not the biggest fan of. There's a couple of times in Jack and Daxter uh, that throughout the series where you're basically, it's basically like playing a rail shooter where you're just sitting in one spot and you're shooting these enemies to try to keep it from coming to a specific target or a specific location or whatever, or close to you. Um, I'm not a big fan of rail shooters, and that's probably the reason why I don't like this mission. The reason why I don't, I just don't like them because I feel like you're just kind of a sitting duck, and you're stuck in one spot, essentially, and you're constantly having to shoot these, uh, you're just shooting these enemies, and it's, it's boring. Like I said, you're basically just like a sitting duck. And I just don't really care for it. Uh, so not the biggest fan, like I said, of this mission. Um, but it is pretty funny because I like some of the jokes, uh, some of the scenes like when uh, uh, Boggy is talking about like uh, Dexter is kind of picking on him a little bit and he's just like, 
It's like it's talking about how like has he does he even own a bathtub or whatever whatever he says to him and then Boggy's like, Well what's a bathtub? Like he doesn't even know what a bathtub is. Like, what, you've never taken a bath before? <laughs> Uh, interesting thing, though, about Daxter, I didn't mention in the uh, the first two episodes, but Daxter is, um, he's voiced by uh, Max uh, Casella. I think I'm pronouncing his last name correctly. Um, the, the How he actually got this job um, as the voice of Daxter is also kind of an interesting backstory as well. Um, I think I'm going to butcher this guy's last name, but uh, one of the... Um, people that worked for Naughty Dog, or at least he did at this time. I'm not sure if he's still there or not. Before he came to Naughty Dog, he actually uh, used to work for Disney as one of the animators in Disney. Uh, later on, he became an animator on the Naughty Dog at Naughty Dog. But uh, while he was working at Disney, he worked on a movie uh, called uh, Dinosaur. And uh, Max Casella was actually one of the voices uh, for a character named Zinni in the movie. And so he actually got to know Max Casella. And so while they were working on Jack and Daxter after he got the job over at Naughty Dog, he actually was the person that referred that said, hey, I know someone that would be a perfect voice for this character for Daxter. It's like, we should get Max Casella for it. I was like, I think his voice would sound really good for this character. And they were like, the other members were like, all right, well, we can try him out. And that's how actually he got the job. So kind of interesting uh, little fact there. Um, Like I said, I I meant to mention that in the first couple episodes and i just forgot <laughs> but that's basically all the areas of um you know the blue sage hut like i said there's the blue sage hut and all the areas connecting it rock village um like i said there's not really this one's uh i like this area so much because of the fact that even though i'm not the biggest fan of boggy swamp i just love uh like i said the hub world so much i love um the precursor basin it's so much fun to get to ride around on your zoomer like i said the only thing that made it just make it just a little bit better is if you could hop on and off your zoomer throughout the level that would make it just a little bit better if they could allow you allowed you to do that but i can understand you know not you know when you're pressed for time you know they had so much time to finish this game and the lost precursor city man oh man do i love that level i I could play that level so many times and still not get bored with it i just love uh, playing in the lost precursor city it's so much fun but yeah that's pretty much all i got to say um so let's get to the trivia question uh the question was name the hip hog uh he's the pet uh boggy so the boggy's pet hip hog what is his name does anyone know well his name is farthy it's f-a-r-t-h-y farthy so yeah, that's the name. So did you know the name, or did you have to look it up? Um, so just let me know. Um, you know, uh, let me know in the. Um, you know, at the after you get done listening to the podcast. Um, so at the end of the podcast, I always like to give kind of a shout out to someone. Uh, you know, Jack and Daxter related to some kind of. Uh, uh, you know something the first two episodes i gave a shout out to the another podcast a jack and daxter podcast uh by the name of jacked j-a-k-d but this one i want to give a shout out to a uh, a fan club it's the official uh jack and daxter fan club on facebook so if you have a facebook um and you like to join fan clubs on there i would really highly suggest you join the jack and daxter fan club um, they are a lot of fun to uh, get to talk to some of these people. You can tell these people are big fans of the series. Um, 
these are people that mostly people that grew up playing the games if uh you know when they were kids and stuff like that and um like i said you can tell they um definitely have a love for the series there's always somebody posting something on there even if they're just posting like something that they're doing on there or maybe they're posting pictures of like their their collection or maybe they're making a joke or a meme or something there's always something jack and daxter related to uh, read or read about or see on there and so like i said i definitely recommend it if you have a facebook but yeah i think that's it for this podcast um hopefully you're enjoying it i'm trying like i said to Work my way through the Jack and Daxter game. I'm really looking forward to getting to like Jack 2 and Jack 3, especially when I start talking about the story and stuff. But like I said, I wanted to go in order and uh, talk about Jack and Daxter as well. But it shouldn't take me too much longer to get done with Jack and Daxter because the next episode we're going to be talking about the volcanic crater area, um, which is one of the... when kind of getting closer to the end part of the game. So this is kind of the... Sort of like the second part slash almost the middle part of the game, I guess you could say, once you get done with this area and you get, you know, you fight Claw. Uh, But we'll wait until the, like I said, the next episode to talk about fighting Claw and Mountain Pass and working your way toward uh, the volcanic crater. But yeah, so hopefully you enjoyed this one. Uh, This is Eco Power. I am Kevin Emery, and I'm out.